Thanks for joining us this morning. Um, my name is Rich. I'm one of the pastors here. just want to welcome you here. Most of you know this morning is a very special Sunday. I want to just welcome you to the, the Firehouse uh, Mother's Day service here. So uh, thanks for joining us this fine day. Just joking. Uh, Mother's Day is next week. I just want to get you guys thinking ahead. So uh, there was a few chuckles out there. Last, last service there was a few heart attacks. People were like... <laughs> So now you got a whole week to think about it still, so I just want to give you a heads up. We will be doing a, a Mother's Day message next week, so we should have a special gift for all the moms. We'll figure out how to get them a, an awesome gift at a good price, so uh, we'll see what we can do there. But anyways, bring, bring your moms, or if your mom, join us. We are going to celebrate with you. So um, anyways, let me go ahead and pray here before we jump into... This message, which is not about Mother's Day, uh, we're going to be looking at Mark 13 today. Some of you might know Mark 13, but the whole chapter pretty much has to do with the end times, the end of history, the end of mankind as we know it. You know, it's kind of an exciting topic here. So um, we'll just pray and uh, ask God to speak to us here this morning. Uh, Lord Jesus, we do uh, just thank you for this morning. Thank you for this time to worship you. God, I just pray even as we look at this passage, we would gain a heart that does say, I'm ready now. Do what you will, Lord. Do what you will. We are ready. And um, God, I just pray that you'd be preparing our hearts. God, change our thinking. If we have any thinking that's off with yours on this subject, please change it. Please bring us in line with uh, where you want us to be. God, I do pray you'd speak to each one of us here this morning. You, you know each of our lives, the details of them, and I just ask that uh, you'd help us to hear your voice here. We just turn this time over to you. We ask for this grace in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Alright, so we are going to be looking at Mark chapter 13. If you have a house Bible, that's page 1006. You know, we don't, uh, we don't often teach about the end times here, and we very rarely make predictions. Um, and this is going to be one of those Sundays where we don't make any predictions. So, uh, anyways, last year, I think it was May 21st was the day you were supposed to watch out for, right? So, Judgment Day was last, last year, May 21st, but didn't happen. So, we're going to look at some things that might kind of give us an indicator to why that didn't happen and stuff. But, uh, uh, let's see. So we're going to start here just with the first, um, just the first two verses to kind of as way of introduction here. Um, but Jesus was talking to his disciples here, and here's um, how it sets the stage for this teaching. As he was leaving the temple area, one of his disciples said to him, "Look, teacher, what massive stones! What magnificent buildings! Do you see all these great buildings?" Jesus replied. Not one stone here will be left on another. Every one will be thrown down. And uh, we'll stop right there. But this, this section, um, some of you may know this already, but um, this is known as the, um, uh, the Olivet Discourse. And I think I'm pronouncing that, but I could be wrong. Um, but it comes from... Uh, these, there's a series of teachings. Three of the Gospels contain this 
this passage of Jesus' teaching. Each one of them has the same core elements, but there are some details thrown into different ones of them here. So we're going to be looking at Mark. Um, Mark 13 has it. Uh, Matthew probably has the most comprehensive teaching on this. Is uh, Matthew chapter 24 and 25. And then Luke chapter 21 also has some. But they're, they're known as the Olivet Discourse. And really there's, there's two potential reasons for that. Um, I'll let you choose which one you prefer. But one of them is the idea that the, the Mount of Olives, as we know it in the English language, uh, the original name was Olivet. And I'm not sure if that's Aramaic or Hebrew or whatever, but you'll find it in some of your Bibles. If you read um, the New American Standard there with Brad, uh, you, you'll find it says like uh, Mark, I mean Luke 19 talks about, and they were on... Um, Let's see, the Mount called Olivet, and, and they don't say Mount of Olives, but they say this. And so, uh, the other reason why uh, this could be called the Olivet Discourse is one of the times when Jesus was speaking to his disciples, and, and he asked them, How much of the end times do you want to know? And they replied, Olivet. And so, uh, that's uh, you decide what the reason might be. You guys, oh, you're a great crowd here, that's awesome. You get, my wife warned me not to share that joke, but I, I tried it anyways this thing we'll give her some feedback here but anyways the all of the discourse here now now this is uh, the end times obviously is uh, the all of the discourse is just kind of a piece of the puzzle or even a couple pieces if you will between these three gospels and and there's other major pieces we obviously know the entire book of revelation has to do with things of the end um, there's other places like daniel chapter 9 that sets the stage in some ways uh, daniel chapter 9 has references to kind of the framework of prophecy and of, of the end times. And Daniel 9.27 has some things we'll refer to today, but one of the things in, in Daniel's prophecies, he talks about some different periods of time. Uh, he calls them sevens, and he's referring to the seven-year units. And you, you'll see that uh, most Bible scholars believe that out of the 70 units of seven that Daniel spoke about, 69 of them have been fulfilled. 69 of those seven-year units have been fulfilled. And it's almost like God hit pause on the stopwatch. And there's this pause in between. And there's a last seven-year period that is yet to play out. And some of that seven-year period will be related to what we're going to read here this morning. But there's going to be a point in time, and most people believe it's related to Daniel 9.27, that um, when the the Antichrist, or we won't know him as that at the time, but someone will, in the Middle East, create a peace treaty amongst Israel and, and a lot of those lifelong enemies of Israel. And that's going to be something that kind of does the click on the stopwatch. And there's a seven-year period remaining. Most of you have probably heard of that period of time before. It's called the Tribulation. And so we're going to look at some things that Jesus speaks about that period of time. And, and really, He speaks about three unique phases of the Tribulation. And that's what we're going to look at here um, this morning. And so, um, But before we get to that, you know, I think it's good just to... He, uh, both in... <clears throat> It's Matthew, I think, and in Mark here that he sets the stage with the disciples saying, Wow, check out this temple. Check out the building, how magnificent they are. And Jesus kind of says, Yeah, that's pretty cool. Those are great. But let me tell you something else. Something that's, you know, in some ways I think Jesus brought their attention to something that was more awesome. And in some ways you might even call it more awful, the things that were to occur. He redirected their attention. And sometimes, you know, this might be one of those times in our lives where... 
you might try to figure out what's on the forefront of your heart and your mind right now. And maybe you think something in life is just awesome. You know, like the Rockies beating the Dodgers or something like that. You know, the Rockies baseball season. Or maybe you just think the softball season is going to be awesome. Or maybe you love the mountains or mountain bike, whatever it is. But this morning I encourage you to, to be sensitive. Maybe Jesus would say to you, like he did to his disciples, that's cool. But you need to be thinking about something bigger that's going to play out sooner than later here. And, and probably sooner as it relates to us. So, um, does anything have your attention like that? Here's a chart I'm going to look at. Boy, if you Google end times charts, you will find hundreds of them. I picked one that seems to divide things up pretty simply. Um, they have all sorts of... The more you kind of study the end times, the more you realize... Uh, you know, at least for me, the more I realized, the less that I knew about the subject. I, I know less than I thought I did last time I checked. So um, there's a lot of different options and variables. But we're going to look at some bigger categories that most Bible and prophecy scholars would agree on. So, um, But the, the phases we're going to look at here, i try to point to one side or the other. I'll try this one. If I can get the angle. No, it doesn't like that angle, does it? No. Okay. But um, three phases. The beginning of uh, sorrows or the beginning of birth pains is one phase of the tribulation that we'll look at. Uh, that's in Mark basically 13, 3 through 13. Then another phase is the great tribulation. We'll look at verses 14 through 23. And then another phase of this uh, tribulation seven-year period We'll look at verses uh, 24 through 27. It's known as the day of the Lord, but it really represents not only the day that the Lord returns to set up His kingdom, but also some of the final events to play out right then as well. So those are the categories we're going to look at. There's another one. Here's another one that maybe makes it even more simple than this last chart. Uh, well, there's those verses. And then there's this one. It's very uh, straightforward. Um, and things line up pretty easily there. So anyways, uh, a lot of references to a lot of the different uh, prophetic passages uh, still to be played out. So, But we're going to read this next section here, the beginning of birth pains. If you guys would, we'll start at verse 3 and go to 13 here. As Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives opposite the temple, Peter, James, John, and Andrew asked him privately, Tell us, when will these things happen? And what will be the sign... Uh, that they are all about to be fulfilled. Now, quick time out here. Um, you know, something that you'll see in prophecy um, often is it's called, I think it's called near and far prophecy. It's where there's some prophetic passages and built into it are events that are going to happen in the near future and at the same time events that are going to happen in, in, uh, in the further future, far future. And some liken it to, um, if you look at mountains, uh, mountain peaks, you know, if you've ever looked at uh, Meeker and Long's Peak, any of you ever climbed Long's Peak? Any of you ever climbed Meeker? One's, one's Long's Peak's bigger and the other one's Meeker, right? Or not, no, whatever. All right, that's a bad one. Okay, but anyways, if you look at them from a certain angle, Long's Peak and Meeker look like one, one peak. You look at it and you go, well, there's something over there. But if you look at it from another angle, farther up I-25, you see there's definitely two distinct peaks. And that's the way prophecy is sometimes. It looks like things are blended together, but with a few, uh, you know, maybe verses from other places, they give you insight that these are two distinct events here. And one of these has already happened in its entirety. You know, it says one stone will not be left on another. And most of you know that in 70 AD, um, Titus uh, from Rome ransacked Jerusalem and destroyed the temple in Jerusalem. And, you know... um, 
tradition has it that as they burnt the temple, since it was inlaid with a lot of gold, that the gold melted and it kind of went in between the cracks of some of these stones. And so they stripped the stones apart to extract the gold. Others say, you know, they just did it because they were so mad at the defiance of Jerusalem that they, you know, stripped it bare. Um, but either way, uh, Josephus refers to it as barren after it all happened. And so not one stone left on another. Now these stones were massive as well. Some archaeologists say that uh, some of the stones in the surrounding area, I don't think they found ones of the temple itself, but they say there was a dimension of one stone that was like um, 25 feet wide, uh, 50, let me see here, 50 feet wide, 25 feet tall, and 15 feet in depth. And they, they still are uh, in awe of the size of the, those massive stones. How do you cut a stone like that? And how do you move it into place and make a building out of stones like that? You know, the disciples were in awe of something that was, was kind of cool. But Jesus just basically said, yeah, that's pretty cool. But let me tell you something else that's going to be awesome. And... And so again, he redirected them to this passage. We'll keep going here. Near and far prophecy, some of that has already been fulfilled. Some, the disciples did experience some persecution here, but the vast majority of this relates to events that will play out in this seven-year period here. So let's keep rolling. Verse 5. Um, Jesus said to him, Watch out that no one deceives you. Many will claim in my name, I am he, and will deceive many. When you hear of wars and rumors of war, do not be alarmed. Such things must happen. But the end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be earthquakes in various places and famines. These are the beginning of birth pains. You must be on your guard. You will be handed over to the local councils and flogged in the synagogues. On account of me, you will stand before governors and kings as witnesses to them. And the gospel must first be preached to all nations. Whenever you are arrested and brought to trial, do not worry beforehand about what to say. Just say whatever is given you at the time, for it is not you speaking but the Holy Spirit. Brother will betray brother to death, and a child, uh, father his child. Children will rebel against their parents and have them put to death. All men will hate you because of me, but he who stands firm to the end will be saved. So, you know, I, I just am struck by how many things Jesus said here is what's going to happen. It will. It will. It will. It will. He's telling us the things that will come. Things that will play out. And this section again is known as um, the beginning of birth pains. Um, right there. And you know, I, I wonder sometimes, you know, Jesus said it's going to be some crazy times, some, some intense things are going to play out. It's going to be like birth pains. And, and I wonder if Jesus didn't, wasn't implying things related to what we know from the physical process of labor, of having babies. You know, Jesus could have picked all sorts of terminology. He could have said something like, you know, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be really hard times, like, you know, when you fall down and hurt your knee and it really hurts. It's going to be kind of like that. And, but he picked something, the labor phase. Labor has three distinct phases. And, you know, maybe they were aware of that at the time. Maybe not. Jesus probably knew. Um, there's probably not a phase that's not past him as the creator there. But um, the phases uh, are known. Some of you might know them. How many of you have been involved in the process of, of labor before? Some of you from the first service, yes. Everybody should raise the hand. You did not make it to this planet apart from the process of labor. So you've all been involved in it. Now some of you more involved than others, you know. Um, 
I like to joke with my wife, we've had five babies now, and I've made it through each of the labors, labor and delivery processes with no medication. It's been good so far. So far, so good. So, um, But, you know, the, the three phases are obviously painful, more painful, and extremely painful, right? Is that the label for the phases? No, it's not. That's the reality. The phases are um, early labor, active labor, and transition labor, and then baby. So, um, but, you know, I wonder that the, the end times are divided into three unique phases, each of which seems to be a progression in, in intensity and frequency, and I wonder if it's not an accident. Maybe it's random. I just don't know if Jesus was doing random here. But, um, but the point being, he said there's some unique things. And when this, when this starts, when this seven-year period starts, there's going to be some unique things to look for. He also warns, you know... Um, be on your guard. Be on your guard. You know, and uh, it reminds me a little bit of the the birthing class. You know, uh, I think about labor. We went the very first baby. We went through the class, and you know, we were taking notes and figuring out all the things. But uh, eventually, I remember with Rory, our first one, about three thirty in the morning, and my wife kind of wakes me up, and she goes, "Honey, uh, I think it started. I've been having contractions for about an hour now," and I'm just like. Whoa! All right, let's go do this, you know. Um, uh, and I started got my watch out, you know, and started to time the contractions and see if they're five minutes apart and measuring, was that the front side of the contraction or the back side? And, you know, um, but, but there was this sense, you know, uh, my heart started pumping and I was ready and I was on guard for having a baby, you know. And, but in some ways I think Jesus is saying, hey, look, if you find these things going on, you know, I think especially you see a treaty in the Middle East with everyone being happy together. Uh, get ready. Be on guard because there's some things that are going to play out that this planet has never seen before. Be on guard. Let's see here. Let's read this next section here. The next section that Jesus talks about is kind of when things shift gears a little bit in, again in intensity here. Verse 14. When you see the abomination that causes desolation, standing where it does not belong, let the reader understand. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let no one on the roof of his house go down or enter a house to take anything out. Let no one in the field go back to get his cloak. How dreadful it will be in those days for pregnant women and nursing mothers. Pray that this will not take place in winter. Because those will be days of distress unequaled from the beginning when God created the world until now and never to be equaled again. If the Lord had not cut short those days, no one would survive. But for the sake of the elect whom He has chosen, He has shortened them. At that time, if anyone says to you, Look, here's the Christ, or look, there He is, do not believe it. False Christ and false prophets will appear and perform signs and miracles to deceive the elect, if that were possible. So be on your guard. I have told you everything ahead of time. So Jesus describes this next phase of um, kind of the activity in the end times and the, and the tribulation. And this phase is called the Great Tribulation. We'll talk about, you know, why it's called the Great Tribulation and stuff like that. But one of the things we need to know is there's a a milestone, a significant milestone to watch for when it begins the Great Tribulation period. And that's the one that's talked about the abomination that causes desolation. And some of the Luke account of this, I believe, throws in, he says, let the reader understand uh, what the prophet Daniel said. And in Daniel, there's 
I've put down four locations where you kind of can see what this abomination that causes desolation is all about. And uh, you even have a reference down at the bottom of your Bible here that mentions three out of those four. But Daniel 8.11, you know, it talks about how basically the, the person who's going to rise into power, be the Antichrist, will, will basically set himself up, declare himself to be God in the Jewish temple. Um, and that is known as the abomination that causes desolation and that is when the great tribulation starts and most scholars would say it's the great tribulation because as the Antichrist rises to power after that will be a persecution that we've never seen before in the history of the world and you know the other let's see here Let's go to this description about what it is. You know, it comes from the idea of great tribulation. comes from this passage here that says, Those will be days of distress unequaled from the beginning. Some versions say those will be days of tribulation unequaled from the beginning until now and never to be equaled again. It's going to be intense. Um, you know, I put down this will be a time of unprecedented calamity, destruction, and horrors. Um, if you think about some of the atrocities this planet has seen, um, and he's saying, you know what, things from the past, nothing going to be like this. It's going to be so intense. Um, some would say that uh, the amount of carnage that we will see in this phase of the end of time will be, you know, think of the ones that we have seen. There was, uh, I read one reference to, about the bubonic plague back in um, the 1300s that destroyed about a third of Europe's population, uh, millions of people. Think of the Holocaust, millions of Jews executed under, under Hitler's regime there. And Jesus said, nothing has ever been close to this. It's going to be intense. It's going to be terrible. Some translations say it's going to be a time of horrors. And, and what does Jesus say? You know, be on your guard. Be on your guard. I've told you everything ahead of time. And, you know, the two things I think about, it says be on guard about three times in this passage. Uh, one, one thing I automatically think of is chess. I don't know how many of you play chess. Any chess nerds out there like me? Okay, there's a couple of us. All right. Um, now, what, what do they say? Uh, what does someone say when they're about to take your queen? Anyone? Yeah, everyone who said check are not chess nerds out there. That's what you say about the time you get the king in trouble. But when you're about to take the queen, it is a courtesy. I don't think it's an official rule. It's kind of a courtesy to say, on guard. I'm about to take your most important piece off the table. Uh, deal with it, you know, on guard. And, but, you know, in some ways I think God is just saying, something significant is happening here. Be on guard. Be alert. Be awake. Be ready. You know, for me, it's, um, again, when you think back on the birthing process, the uh, active labor phase is when things pick up in intensity and in frequency. And shortly after that, the, the transition phase is a really short period of time before you have the baby, which uh, I think that relates, you know, we can talk about the day of the Lord there. But the transition phase is like you see in the movies sometimes, like people driving and are going, oh my gosh, I think I'm going to have a baby in the car. And we had that experience like... Our first two babies, you know, it was like my wife's having labor in the van and I'm going, are we going to make it there? And we drive into the hospital and they're like, the nurses are like, she's ready. And we're like, where's the doctor? You know, the doctors were not there. Um, so not a cool situation. But anyways, the second time, same thing happened where my wife is wanting to be like, she doesn't want to show up at the hospital having to wait around, you know. She's like, I'm not going. And finally with our second baby, I had to like raise my voice and be like, honey, if you are not in the Jeep by the time you have your next contraction, I don't know, and I don't know what I said I would do, but um, 
So on the way, between contractions, she got in the garage, get in the Jeep, and her water broke. And it's like, ah, you know, so we're driving in intense contractions. Again, we show up, and, you know, less than an hour later, we had a baby in our hands. Um, but, you know, one of the things I think about in this, Jesus said, I, I've told you everything ahead of time. It's kind of like going to the birthing class. You hear about it, they tell you what's going to happen, and you have no clue what you're in for, Brad. It's coming up here. You have no clue. You know, you, you, you try to remember your Bill Cosby breathing tips, you know. Push, push, you know. You'll forget it all when you're there, but you'll be in the middle of it going, I remember they said something about this, you know. Um, but I think Jesus was saying, I've told you all of this, so when you find yourself in the middle of this situation, be on your guard. Watch for the abomination that causes desolation. Watch for these other things that are going to play out. Don't be afraid. You're going to have to deal with it and know what to do here. Don't be afraid, Brad. Don't pass out when it comes time here. But... Uh, I was joking with Brad, we were singing that song like, I'm ready now, and I'm like, you know, that has double meaning for, for you guys. They were ready for Jesus, and we're ready for a baby here, I bet. But uh, anyways, so uh, be on your guard, be on your guard. Here, here we go is the way I like to think of it. Um, so this, let's look at this third phase here. This is known as the day of the Lord. We'll look at just verses 24 through 27. Um, here we go. But in those days, following that distress, the sun will be darkened. The moon will not give its light. The stars will fall from the sky. The heavenly bodies will be shaken. At that time, men will see the Son of Man coming in the clouds with great power and glory. He will send His angels and gather His elect from the four winds, from the ends of the earth uh, to the ends of the heavens. I'm going to stop there. But this... This phase is, um, is it called the Day of the Lord. Let's see here. My notes up to pace here. You know, one of the things you see about this, again, this is going increasing in intensity. That last phase of Great Tribulation seemed fairly intense. This next phase, things go to another level of intensity. You know, I would call it things get cosmic. The signs go like cosmic. We've heard of different expressions before like, man, that was epic, dude. Or that was stellar or awesome. Uh, maybe you can add this in your vocabulary. Man, that was like cosmic, dude. Like stars were falling from the sky. The moon wasn't shining anymore. Things get extremely serious if you haven't picked up the seriousness yet in what Jesus is talking about. And so... Um, and those are signs to watch for. You know, he said, this is going to happen. Don't freak out. It might be something freaky, but this is going to happen. There's going to be people, and maybe us, maybe others, that will see some of these things play out here. One of the questions, um, you know, one of the things that uh, most scholars agree that at the end of the day of the Lord is when the Lord actually uh, comes to the planet and begins His kingdom, sets up shop for His kingdom. And, you know, there's the different discussions and debate on when happens when, what happens where. But um, this is one that most people go, hey, this is a phase. And it's kind of like the transition phase. It's an extremely intense time for having a baby, but by the time you're done, you got a baby. And the, uh, by the time this thing is done... The king will be here. He will have returned. And, um, you know, that's something just to think about. Another thing to think about here is... Is that me beeping? It's noon. All right, all right. Lord, help me to love you better. Help me to reach the lost. And uh, help me to transform believers into disciples. We're praying at noon every day. Pray at noon. Pray in love, rescue, transform. Love God more. Uh, rescue the lost. Pray for someone by name. 
and transform that God would make believers, nominal even believers, into disciples of Jesus Christ. If you haven't got the announcement on that, we are praying at noon. I set my alarm yesterday. I finally figured out how to set this darn thing. I can program a computer. I just can't get my watch going. So, but anyways here... Um, you know, there's questions about the rapture. Some of you have heard about the rapture. It's uh, the concept. You won't see it that clearly in the Olivet Discourse. There's, there's uh, things that allude to that. There's things in the Revelation. But the clearest passages on the rapture are 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 16, 17, 18. But it's, it talks about a time when Christ will return in the clouds. There will be a trumpet blast. But then it says we will all join Him in the air. All the believers on the planet at the time will join Him in the air. And so that kind of relates to some of the things we see in this passage about Christ coming in the clouds. Now there's debates when the rapture will occur, and we're not going to get into the details of that. We can, and maybe sometime we'll do a series on the end times thing. Some people love end times stuff. Can I get an amen? End times? Amen. Some, some people love end times stuff. Some people hate end times stuff. My wife hates it. I try to practice my teaching on her. She's like, practice on someone else. I don't want to hear this stuff. But... Um, Anyways, I tell her, it's biblical, honey. Jesus said it. you got to listen. Um, but anyways, where were we? The rapture. So the rapture is, you know, and I think there's uh, some things that allude to it here. Even in the passage that we've just read, earlier it talked about uh, during the, the Great Tribulation. It said, if the Lord had not cut short those days, no one would survive. For the sake of the elect whom he has chosen, he shortened them. Um, and, you know, some wonder if they're talking about, he could have said, you know, for the sake of God's people, they're not going to experience any of this. They've got a path for it all. But this seems to say they're going to experience something. It'll be cut short. You won't get the full blast of what's about to happen. Um, let me see if I've got a picture here of, of one of these things here. Oh, but anyway, there's a lot of debate on the rapture. We'll, we'll look at a slide here about that in just a second. But um, So anyways, an intense phase, the finale of it all, Christ returns there. So now let's look at the, the lesson from the fig tree here. Lesson from the fig tree. Uh, just a couple verses here. It says, Now learn this lesson, verse 28. Learn this lesson from the fig tree. As soon as its twigs get tender and its leaves come out, you know that summer is near. Even so, when you see these things happening, you know that it is near, right at the door. I tell you the truth, this generation will certainly not pass away until all these things have happened. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. And so... Um, you know, what is something we've learned as we've been going through the Scriptures? What, what usually does a fig tree in Scriptures refer to? Refer to? Anyone? Nobody. Miss Ellen. Jeff, I remember what you said in your teaching about the fig tree. The nation of Israel. Usually a fig tree in Scriptures often refers to the nation of Israel. And some would say um, there's things going on with the nation of Israel that, well, I mean, let's look at this point here. Um, yeah, fig tree represents the nation of Israel. On May 14, 1948, how many of you were alive then? You don't have to raise your hand. I think my dad was born in 49. So, um, but the Jews declared independence for Israel as a united and sovereign nation for the first time in 2,900 years. You know, speaking of the nation of Israel, things getting a little bit more ripe. Um, some would say 
this obviously was a monumental event that Israel became a united and sovereign nation again. You know, there was times they still occupied the land and they were under Roman rule or things like that. But this was a unique time in history after the atrocities of World War II. Some events played out that allowed them to become a nation again. And all of that happened in a day. And there's another verse of prophecy that talks about can a nation be born in a day? Uh, the answer is yes, May 14, 1948. Um, now, some people wonder about, you know, and they say it, it puts forth its shoots or its leaves. You know, some people say that's exerting an influence beyond what that little fig tree should. And we all know that you always hear about Israel in the news, and it's a little tiny place, a little small amount of land, and yet it's always on the forefront of the world news, isn't it? But, um, you know, some would say it's because the twigs are tender, the leaves are coming out. Um, Sometimes people wonder, oh, let's see, I don't know how I switched a couple of these up here, but um, sometimes people wonder when it says this generation will not pass away until you see all these things, this generation can mean a couple different things. Some, you know, one, one interpretation would be the, the people Jesus was speaking to, the, the Peter, James, John, those guys, is like this generation is going to see it all before this, you know, you pass away. Well, that didn't happen, did it? So that's probably not that one. Sometimes people will say, you even have a footnote in your Bible here that says, this generation, referring to the Jewish race, will not pass away till these things play out. Another option, no, this is not a complete list, but one that, that I, I tend to think it means is, this generation, the generation that sees these things, is going to see it all happen before it passes away. If you see the uh, beginning of sorrows, You'll see the great children. You'll see, you'll see all these things before it passes away, this generation. And it says, um, you know, he said it's near. It's right at the door. And one of the things I want to get us to know and come away with is that there has never been another generation in the history of the world that is closer to the door than this generation. You know, it makes me think some of these words that Jesus spoke almost 2,000 years ago are more true for you and I today than for anyone who has ever walked on this planet. I hope that's a sobering thought for you. Right at the door. Is it this generation or not? You know, I'm not, uh, I'm not placing any bets. I'm not doing anything. No predictions here. I don't get a date for you. I know it's not May 21st last year. I can tell you that much. Um, but, but there's something unique about this generation. We're positioned in a way that no one else in the history of the world has ever been related to the end of time. And so we need to, like he says, there, you know, time and time again, watch, watch. Be be ready. Um, let's see here. There's some action steps for this all here. Um, you know, here's the end times chart I was talking about. You know, he says, watch. Uh, this verse here interests me because he says, you know, no one knows the uh, whether well, he's going to come back in the evening or the middle of the night or at 3 a.m. when the rooster crows or in the morning. To me, I see four four options there. Um, and you know, this one I think that maybe uh, something just to make you think. But there are four major options when it comes to um, when it comes to the rapture event. There's the very beginning of it all. You know, before the the night of tribulation sets in, maybe Christians are extracted then. There's another position it's called the mid trib, in the middle of it all. If I think of the middle of the night, Christians are, uh, you know, it says caught up is the word used in the Bible, which relates to snatch or rapture. That's where we get the word rapture. But maybe it's in the middle of the tribulation. Some would say it's at the end of it all. You know, which would be what, like, yeah, after the night is gone, the night of tribulation and. In the morning, when Christ returns, it's like He returns, He raptures us, 
and we come back down for a landing and set up his kingdom, you know, um, something like that. Now, another one that I find pretty interesting is the, it's called the, the pre-wrath rapture. It's, it's not at the very end of it all, and it's not right in the middle, but it's before, um, before God opens and pours out the seven bowls of God's wrath on the planet. He, he takes believers out, He pours out the wrath of God, and then He returns to set up His kingdom. And there's four major views of when the rapture will occur in regards to tribulation. And, and so, you know, you might have your camps or other camps, but in all of this, Jesus says, hey, look, you don't really know, because you can make a good case for, I think all four of them, there's biblical stances you can take. And, and we're not going to get into fighting about it here but what he does say in regards to all of them is what you know what does this whole passage say be on your guard be alert keep watch therefore keep watch um, this whole thing just watch 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 and that's uh, what he says regardless of when it's all going to play out he says watch and we're just going to close with some action steps we can take on, on how to watch here so here's a few things to think about because we could say okay you guys be on the alert if you see anything like this you know get ready call your friends put it on Facebook I just saw like the sun went dark you know and whatever um, but you know, we could say, be on your alert, be on guard, catch you next Sunday for Mother's Day. Have a great week, you know. But one of the questions you always have to ask when you read Scripture is, yes, but how? How do I be on the alert? And Scripture definitely gives us some instructions on this. How are we to watch? How are we to be on guard? And one of the first things we can do is be awake. You know, um, if we're supposed to be a generation that's standing at the door keeping watch, uh, how good is a guard if they fall asleep? What happens to a guard that falls asleep? Anyone? Yeah, you get fired, yeah. I, I, had, I used to work a night job at a hotel doing security. And, you know, they, they have you kind of swipe these different locations on the building just to show that you were awake and moving around. And I had a co-worker who wasn't awake and moving around. Thus, he wasn't swiping to different locations. Thus, he got fired, you know. And we need to make sure that... We are awake, that we're not asleep. That, you know, there's something in your life that so has your attention, you don't even think about these things. Um, we need to make sure we're, you know, Jesus even spoke to a church in the, in the book of Revelation. And he said, you know, he said to them, um, first, uh, Revelation 3, verse 2 and 3, but it says, wake up. He's speaking to a church. Wake up. If you do not wake up, I will come like a thief, and you will not know at what time I will come to you. And, you know, I think this can apply two ways to us. I think I have them written up there, but there's... Um I think sometimes as Christians we can be sleepwalking. We can just be going on with our routines. You know, what's the next thing that's going to entertain me? What's the next fix I get? What's the next new beer I get to try? What's the, you know, and um, we can just be sleepwalking through life. Not even thinking about the end, which we're right at the door of. Another thing you can do is often scripture refers to sleeping as being in sin. You can be asleep. You know, it says like in Thessalonians related to the rapture there, it says... um, so then let us not be like others who are asleep, but let us be alert and self-controlled. For those who sleep, sleep at night. Those who get drunk, get drunk at night. And he goes on to talk about there's two different ways here. One is asleep and in sin, and the other is alert and sober-minded and ready to rock and roll. And we need to be awake first. Uh, another thing we need to do is be alert. You know, it's like you can be awake, but some of you right now, are you awake? Hey, 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 you're awake. But hey, you're just drifting there. You know, your eyes are kind of rolling around in your head. We need to make sure we're not on guard and we're standing there and our eyes are just, you know, we're not alert. You know, um, another word the Bible uses, you need to be sober. 
uh, sober-minded. And what, what happens when you're not sober? What happens when you get intoxicated? Some of you might have heard what happens. What happens? I don't have a clue. <laughs> yeah, just joking. Um, but what happens when you're intoxicated? What are some things? Lose judgment, yeah. Slurred speech, there you go. Lose balance. Uh, I guess if you're like me, the older you get, if you have too much alcohol, what happens? You get sleepier and sleepier. You know, I don't. Back in the day, it used to be invigorating. I don't know how that works, but now it is like, you know, if I have you know one beer, I'm all right. If I had two, lights out. See you in like next week sometime. You know, um, but but there's a drowsiness that comes. There's a and you know he's saying, hey, the opposite of being drowsy, and being kind of sluggish, is be sharp, be alert, be be looking around. You know, um, and that's what we we need to be. Um, you know, one verse says the end of all things is near. Peter, who sat in on Jesus' teaching, says this at First Peter 4, the end of all things is near. Therefore be clear-minded or sober-minded um, and self-controlled so that you can pray. We just need to make sure you're awake, you're aware of the, the signs and, and are you alert or are you sluggish, are you drowsy because of the intoxicating effect of this world on your life. Um, another thing we need to do is watch for. What are we supposed to watch for? I'll give you a hint. We just talked about the last 40 minutes. Uh, some of the signs that we're supposed to watch for. One of the first things to watch for is, you see a peace treaty being brokered in the Middle East with Israel and everybody else? Start packing your bags, you know. Um, well, you know, you could be packing them like the head to heaven. You could be packing them with Bibles, bullets, and beans. You know, there's different philosophies of what to pack for. Um, but you see something like that going on. You see a temple being rebuilt in Jerusalem. You know, something's going on. Keep your eyes out for that because the abomination of desolation will occur in the temple. Can't happen if there's no temple built yet. You know, some things to watch for. Obviously, we watch for all the signs we just talked about. The beginning of birth pains, the great tribulation, and the cosmic activity after that in the day of the Lord. So, um, another thing to watch for is opportunities. You know, this verse in Ephesians says, make the most of your opportunities. And if we are a generation that's right at the door, I believe we have some opportunities uh, that are before us that no one else maybe has seen like this before. And an example I think of is uh, I was on campus earlier this week on Thursday. We do an information table on campus and we have our whiteboard we put up. You know, uh, we always ask the question, um, you know, where are you going to spend eternity when you die? And we give like, you know, options of heaven and hell and other and things like that, you know, and you can write in your own answer there. But I was talking to this one guy that we've known over the semester and uh, we were going round and round for about half an hour, 45 minutes. And finally, I just felt like God gave me the idea. Why don't you start talking about the end times? He had a Bible background. I think both of his parents were, sound like Christians, maybe even strong Christians, and he had kind of wandered from that. So we started talking about, I just asked him, what do you think about the end times? Do you think we're living in the end times? I said, what do you think about the rapture? And he, the whole demeanor of our conversation changed. And this guy started being more, I don't know, awake, aware, something like that. And I told him, I'm doing a little project I'm experimenting, experimenting with. I'd like to make a little video. It's something that I told him, you know, something I give to my friends and family and those that I love who aren't Christians yet. But it's kind of the idea of talking through some of these events and saying, saying to them, hey, look, you know, I'm going to tell you about some events, five minute video here, and if these events aren't going on, cool, give me a call if you've got any questions, but if these things are happening, and there's chaos throughout the U.S. and throughout the world, and those of you thought to be true Christians have somehow vanished, then it has happened, and go on to explain the rapture, and I was telling him about this, and he's like, whoa, you know, um, 
you know, and I just told him, well, you, well, that could happen in our lifetime. And he started thinking through it. He goes, you know what? He said, if the rapture happened, I would become a Christian. He's like, that's the evidence I would need. Up to then he was saying, I don't have enough evidence. My scientific brain doesn't work like that. And I was sharing with him from my Bachelor of Science degree why I can have a faith and science at the same time. But he was like, if that happened, I would believe. And we started talking through. I was like, Daniel, um, which I thought was interesting. His name was Daniel. I was like, Daniel, this happens. And you become a Christian. You know what? Um, you might have to help some other people there because you know more about the Bible than most. You might have to help lead some of these other, others that become Christian at that time. And our conversation just it turned a corner. And he started thinking about things. He's like, you know, if, if all this happens and there's catastrophes, like, he's posting videos on the web. He's like, is the web even going to be accessible at that time? I was like, that's a great question. I just want to get people thinking when it is accessible. I don't know what's going to happen then. But we have opportunities, men and women. While you're talking with someone who's arguing and debating with you, Ask them what might happen then, what they think about the rapture. Have they heard about the rapture? It's, it's an opportunity that is probably more unique to our generation than any generation before. And, you know, let's see about it. And let's close with some things to pray about here. Is pray, pray, pray. That first Peter verse talks about the end is near. Be sober-minded, self-controlled so that you can pray. A couple things to pray about here. Um, pray for wisdom. We want to be uh, men and women and a church of wisdom. It talks in First Chronicles 12.32. It talks about the men of Issachar. It said, um, Men of Issachar who understood the times and knew what Israel should do. We want to be a church that understands the times and knows what Christians should do. We need to pray to be a church like that. In the book of Daniel, chapter 11, um, Daniel, Daniel says this related to the rise of the Antichrist and his persecution. Um, Chapter 11, verse 32 and 33 says, But the people who know their God will display strength and take action. Those who have insight among the people will give understanding to many. Yet they will fall by the sword and by flame and by captivity and by plunder for many days. There's going to be an opportunity and we need to pray for wisdom of what to do. You know, and there's debate. You pack your bags and you know, kind of we're out of here before it all happens. Or if we do show up in the tribulation somewhere... You know, do we have enough beans, Bibles, and bullets to survive a little while? You know, there's prayer for wisdom and understanding. We want to be right smack in the middle of God's will. Um, and what else to pray for? Pray for the lost. You know, the Jesus there in Second uh, Peter, he's talking about, you know what, this is going to happen. People are saying, why is it taking so long? And Peter says, well, God doesn't want anyone to perish, and so he's being patient for this to all play out because when it plays out it's going to be a done deal for a lot of people uh, we need to pray for the lost pray that God saves them that He gets their attention that He works on them even like He was working on that guy Daniel um, and pray for your opportunities to share the gospel you know it's so not just God save them and send someone else to share the gospel and God save them and, and would you give me an opportunity to share with them Pray for strength. You know, this is one of the verses in the, the parallel passage in, in Luke 21 on the Olivet Discourse here. Um, he says this, Be always on the watch and pray that you may be able to escape all that is about to happen and that you may be able to stand before the Son of Man. You know, um, we need to pray somehow. It says to pray for escape. The one version of the ESV says, Pray to have the strength to escape these things to survive them really uh, the old King James version says pray that you are worthy to escape these things I don't know exactly what that means but somehow we're supposed to pray that we escape or survive or stand through even these 
troubled times that are that are ahead. You know, and so um, anyways, we're going to close in prayer here. And guess what? Let's just bow our heads. Lord Jesus, we do thank you for for the warning instructions here. God, I pray you'd help us to be sober-minded. Our minds could be given to so many different things of this world, but you say there really is a world to come. There really is a kingdom that is coming, and let us not be found asleep. God, help us to be alert, on guard. Help us to be watching for the signs. Help us to watch for opportunities uh, as a church and as a generation. God, I pray that you'd help us to be men and women that are praying, that are praying daily at 12 o'clock noon uh, that are praying for these things regularly as a church and we just ask Lord that you would give us wisdom to understand the times and know the action you want us to take in Jesus Christ's name we pray Amen alright well thank you guys for joining us uh, this morning and look forward to seeing you next Sunday morning for the Mother's Day lighter edition of things so anyways catch you next week Amen.